Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you all got to share around your table. Um, we're going to take some time to pray later um, together as a, a group. You know, as we were um, meeting together last week as a team and thinking about what we were going to do for our time here, I was sharing with um, the team some of the things that the Lord was kind of working on me and revealing to me in this passage in the garden as I was studying it again. And, um, and we quickly realized, while that's important, and I am going to share some of the things with you to kind of prepare our hearts, um, that we would be remiss to just teach on prayer and then not create space to pray. You know, we have heard a lot of sermons on prayer over our lives. Um, if you've been in the faith very long at all, um, you can also go hear lots of great sermons online on prayer. Um, but what we often don't do is create just space for us to enter in and to experience prayer and to interact with God. You know, it is a great privilege that we have that we get to go talk to the Almighty God, our Creator, our Redeemer. We get to boldly approach His throne with confidence. We don't need anyone else to intermediate with us. That is a great privilege. And so I'm excited for us to have some space to do that this morning. There's a couple things that I would ask of you. First, actually, I want to say thank you. Thanks for trusting us, for being here and for showing up um, and letting us kind of make this last minute change. This is different. We haven't done this before. So thank you for trusting us. I want to ask two things of you. One is that um, you would leave your expectations outside, but that you would be expectant for God to show up. And the other thing I want to ask of you is that you would be willing, that you would be willing to enter in to this time and, um, and let God move and speak and show up and, um, and just enter into this relational experience that we're going to have with God. Um, and so with that, I would love to just pray for our time and then um, we'll get started. Gracious God, we come to you, your women, and we ask that you would help us be very attentive to you this morning. Lord, I pray that all of the things that um, made us feel harried as we got here this morning, the things that threatened to keep us away, the things that we know we have to enter into as soon as we leave, Lord, would all of those fade into the background? And would you be ever present in front of our eyes? Lord, I pray that you would come into this space. Actually, we, we confess that we know you're already here. So Lord, open our hearts to see you and to be attentive to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So there's a couple of things um, that I noticed in this passage as I was studying it, and um, some, some contrasts about how Peter reacts and how Jesus reacts. You know, often we study this garden passage and we, we, we're just watching Jesus and we're watching how he prays. And um, it's not often that we actually study this garden passage and we're watching Peter. Um, we see Peter, right, because we're grieved for the way he acts, 
Um, but often we were most focused on Jesus. And while that's good, um, I think there's some things that we can learn from Peter. In fact, as I was reflecting on this passage, I wanted to share a brief story with you from my life about when I acted like Peter. Um, a, a very poignant moment in my life when I chose the way he chose. Um, it was my freshman year of college, and as most freshmen, I walked in feeling a little smarter than I really was and a little wiser than I really was. Um, and you've read a little bit about that journey in your, um, in your study guide. I walked in uh, to the University of Rochester, which is in upstate New York. It's this beautiful campus. It was built in the early 1900s. And I will never forget this one moment because it's like it happened yesterday. Um, I was walking across the campus and I paused and I stopped and I looked and there in front of me was the library. And it's just this beautiful structure, it's, it's almost majestic. And I had this thought, there's so much knowledge in that library and I'm gonna learn. I am here to learn, I'm here to discover truth and knowledge and in fact, I right now choose that until I can prove God, I will no longer believe in him. And it was in that moment that I made a hard right turn in my journey with Jesus. Now, my problem is that I never went into that library to try and prove him. I went into that library to do a lot of studying, to try and work out biology, to try and refigure out my physics, but I never went in there seeking God. And so every day of my freshman year, I took another step and another step and another step further and further away from him. And as I pushed him away, the problem with my plan of proving him was that he had already proven himself to me. And so every step I took away from him grieved my soul just a little bit more. Maybe you know what this journey feels like as we walk away from God. And I made a royal mess of my life. That's a whole nother talk. <laughs> but when I knew it was time that I couldn't prove God, not from a textbook, because he had already proven himself to my spirit and my soul, he had proven himself through what he had done for me, when I realized that and I turned back to God, of course, he welcomed me back with open arms and was incredibly gracious. Now, see, he had never moved. It was me that had walked away. And the reason that all happened, the reason I had that experience was because I was trusting in me. I was trusting in my flesh, my ability, and I wound up completely defeated, experiencing great defeat my freshman year. And I see this happen in Peter's life as well. And in fact, I know it's true for all of us. See, anytime we choose to believe that we can do something on our own, maybe we trust in our own ability, maybe we trust in, in our health, maybe we're trusting in our bank account, Maybe we're trusting in, in these pleasurable experiences that we create for ourselves. Anytime we say those are going to satisfy me, we have, we have chosen similar to Peter. 
But I, I don't think it's just the, the strong things that we choose. I think we can also choose to trust in some of our weaknesses too. We can let that disease or that hard thing or that ache deep in our soul become that thing that identifies us, that thing that we lean on. And then I think we're also doing the same thing that Peter is doing. Trusting in our flesh, trusting in ourself. And I think uh, we see Peter make this, this journey in the garden. We see Jesus make a totally different journey. So what I want you to do is turn with me to Matthew 26 in your Bible, and we're going to walk through this passage starting in verse 33. And I just want to point out to you four things that I saw. Differences between Peter and Jesus. And so I want you to have your Bible open because we're not going to put the verses up on the screen. I'll read them to you, um, and you can also read them in your own Bible. So first of all, Peter walks into the garden, and he is claiming his own strength. Look at verse 33 and 35. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, Jesus, I never will. Truly, I tell you, this is Jesus responding, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter declares, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter claims, I am strong. I will never So he goes into the garden claiming that he is so much more than he really is. Jesus, however, walks into the garden and he is acknowledging weakness. Look at verses 37 and 38. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus has never said anything like this before. He is acknowledging to Peter and James and John, I need you to keep watch with me. I am feeling weak. And so they enter into the garden and then Peter sits down. He falls asleep, not once, not twice, but three times. And when it is time to go, we know he is sitting. He's in this posture of resting because Jesus says in verse 46, rise, get up, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And so Peter has sat down. Jesus has a totally different posture, doesn't he? He kneels down. Verse 39 says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. Luke twenty-two forty-one 41 gives us a little bit more color in this. And it says that Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed. And so it's this posture of Jesus on his knees with his face to the ground in complete submission to God. It's a posture of humility It's a posture of vulnerability. Peter takes a posture of rest, possibly even resignation, as he sits down. Peter then surrenders to the flesh. 
verse 41 says this, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. These are Jesus's words to Peter. Watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation because what? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And in that moment, when Peter falls asleep again and again and again, he's giving in to his flesh. And it is hard for us to see that, right? Don't you want to just go shake him by the shoulders and say, don't you have any idea what's going on over there? Wake up. Jesus has never asked something like this of you. Why would you fall asleep on him now? Luke twenty two forty five adds this to that scripture, says that when Jesus rose from prayer and he went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Exhausted from sorrow. See, they had started to move into this time where Jesus is being very clear with them about the next steps, about his coming death. And Peter doesn't get it. Even though Jesus is saying, I will be resurrected, I don't think Peter gets it because exhausted from sorrow means that you think you're losing. He thinks we have given our lives for you and now you're just gonna go throw yourselves into the hands of the enemy and die? It's a defeat. He's giving in. He's exhausted because he's sorrowful. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so we see Jesus then surrender to the spirit. He prays three times, each time boldly asking, is there another way? He says this, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He says that in 39, in 42, and in verse 44 boldly asks Jesus, boldly asks God, as he is on his knees, prostrate before the Lord, Lord, if there is any other way, but not my will, yours, I will willingly surrender to your plan. What looks like defeat will lead to victory. Peter leaves the garden and he does experience defeat, doesn't he? He does the very thing he said he did not want to do. The pride of his flesh that said, I will never deny you. Walks into a situation where he is then confronted by a young girl who has no power and no authority, probably 13 years or younger, and says, aren't you with him? And Peter says, I don't even know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that man. I don't know him. Three times he denies Jesus because he is leaning on his flesh and so he experiences defeat. And then Jesus, as we know, leaves the garden and he is strengthened to claim God's victory. Luke twenty two forty three and 44 says this, an angel from heaven appeared to him, Jesus, and strengthened him. Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. An angel came and strengthened Jesus. The spirit is willing. But notice, 
He is not relieved. He is not released. He has to take the journey. He is strengthened for it. It reminds me a few years ago, Jill Briscoe was our retreat speaker, and she was sharing about what she has learned about how people pray. She said, here in the West, in America, she has noticed that we pray, Lord, take it away. Make it stop. Fix it. She said when she goes to other countries, countries that are persecuted, that don't have the freedoms that we have, she says, do you know what they pray? Strengthen me to bear it. Help me be strong, Lord, to take this journey. Scripture is filled with principles of the weak being made strong. And perhaps we need to redefine what victory is in the Lord. Victory is not relief. Victory is faithfulness. Victory is going through whatever it is that God has asked of us and doing it for his glory and in his strength. And so I want to ask you, what trajectory are you taking? Seems very clear that there are two paths. Peter walks in strong and he ends up experiencing defeat. Jesus comes in acknowledging his weakness, depends on the spirit, cries out to God, goes out to experience victory. What trajectory are you taking? Do you drop down on your knees or do you rise up and say, I've got this. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to fix it. Do you claim your own strength or do you seek God's strength? Do we give in to our flesh or do we lean in to the spirit? What trajectory are you on? Do you experience defeat after defeat after defeat? Maybe that's your answer. So we are going to um, spend some time in prayer this morning because Jesus makes it clear to us that we are strengthened in prayer. He says, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We see an angel come down and strengthen Jesus. Jesus says very clearly to Peter, pray so that you won't fall into temptation. We pray We pray in relationship with God. We pray to be strengthened for the journey. So I want us to look at the prayer that Jesus prayed. And specifically, we're going to look at it in Mark 14, 36. Jesus says this, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. Abba, Father, everything is possible. Let there be another way, but if there's not, I will follow. In foundation, um, which Tiffany talked about earlier, we are 
going into prayer using a model of prayer that perhaps many of you have used before called ACTS, which is just a simple acronym for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. ACTS prayer. Basically, what that means is adoration is saying, wow, God, wow. Confession is saying, I'm sorry. Thanksgiving is thank you. And supplication is please. And I think we see all of this in Jesus' prayer. When he says, Abba, Father, it's an adoration praise. Abba. You know, Abba is, is an intimate term that Jewish children would use to describe their daddy. Daddy, Papa. In fact, um, my husband and I were in New York a few years ago, standing in line to get some tickets um, for a show, and there was a young Jewish family behind us, and the little baby looked up at his dad, and he said, Abba. It's a very endearing term. And that is what Jesus approaches God as. The Jews would have never done this. They would have never referred to God in this way. So it communicates this intimate relationship, Abba, Daddy. Confession is acknowledging, saying, I'm sorry. It's acknowledging for us that in spite of our best intentions, we have fallen short. We have failed to love God as we should, or we failed to love our neighbors as we should. Now, I want you to notice Jesus has nothing to confess, does he? However, he does acknowledge his weakness and he asks for support. Neither of those is sin. <laughs> Acknowledging our weakness, asking for help from our sisters, neither of those is sin. We, however, do get to say we're sorry to God <laughs> because in our perceived strength or our weaknesses, we do tend to not love the Lord as we should or not love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we do come to God and we say we're sorry. Now we as believers also say we're sorry with full assurance that we are already forgiven. See, we don't say we're sorry to try and receive forgiveness or acceptance. We say we're sorry because this is part of a relationship. It's part of maintaining a good relationship with our Lord. Thanksgiving is saying, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. And we see Jesus say this, and when he says, everything is possible for you. Everything. You can do everything, Lord. And so we say thank you for that. And then supplication, we see very clearly when God says, Jesus says to God, take this cup from me. That is his deepest need in this time. Take this cup from me. Now, I would add one more element to our Acts prayer model, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and then I would say surrender because Jesus clearly says, not what I will, but what you will.